0: Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams.
1: Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about the secrets behind living an inspired and extraordinary life. I'm Ellen Barton, and today my guest is Bradley Miles. Bradley is a recent graduate of Columbia University, And he has a new book out called How to Break into Venture Capital and Think Like an Investor, whether you're a student entrepreneur or working professional. The book is currently on three top 10 lists on Amazon, and Bradley has been on a whirlwind tour of college campuses around the country speaking to businesses and entrepreneurial students and others who are looking to get into the field. Bradley, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Alan.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad that we finally have the opportunity to do this. And first, I want to ask you, you are a new graduate. And at a time when many of your peers are either like taking a little time off, or they're searching around for their first real job, you have chosen a completely different route. And what was it that inspired you to write a book and then to dive right into a book tour?
0: Yeah. So, you know, for as long as I could remember, I was really interested in venture capital, um, and sort of, you know, really, really, really touching down on the entrepreneurial process and and getting to know entrepreneurs. So I went down, I, I, so I wanted to sort of figure out how to move down that path. And a lot of people said it was, you know, through consulting or wall street and it was this nine or 10 year trajectory where I'd have to go to business school. Um, so I did that for a little bit. I, I worked at wall street and, um, you know, just re- really wasn't cut out for me, so I uh, wanted to focus more so on um, you know, going down the career path of uh, working in venture capital. So I emailed about 60 firms and you know worked for free for a few months and made some contacts and, and landed my first gig in the industry. Uh, but, but really why I sought that path was really just having a front row seat to the entrepreneurial process, um, learning about data, trends, and insights. It's always something that's been a, a really big adrenaline rush for me.
1: Wow. That sounds very interesting. And I want to back up just a tad because this audience of this podcast isn't necessarily one that, um, I mean, some of our listeners may be business savvy, some may not. And uh, just in case they're not, can you just on a really basic level, tell us what venture capital is?
0: Yeah, so so venture capital is money deployed to early stage businesses. Uh, so a lot of these businesses you could refer to as startups or tech businesses, um, but generally it's just any business with the capacity to grow really fast. So a lot of you might go to restaurants like um, you know uh, Sweet Green or Dig In. Uh, so, sort of these fast casual restaurants where you order on the go. Um, these restaurants, you'll maybe see lines around the block and they're growing really quickly. Uh, so some of those have venture capital in them as well. But we could sum up venture capital really as just money given to early stage companies that uh, are expected to create a large return in the next five to seven years.
1: Oh, that's a great definition. And I'm glad that you brought up the restaurants because I was going to ask you. What were some examples besides tech companies? Because you always think about venture capital as being appropriate for a more you know, tech or, or clean energy or something like that kind of company. Besides these trendy restaurants, is there anything else that you think would be a good fit for venture capital at this time?
0: yeah yeah so 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 the model's really expanding you're seeing a lot of you know robotics companies uh, um, a lot of manufacturers get into it um so so really uh, Ellen, it it's really any business that has, that has the capacity to grow extremely fast uh so if your business for any of the listeners fits into that model um, you know definitely start thinking about venture capital and be, would be happy to sort of walk you through that process of Sort of tried to make my email freely available. Uh, it's Bradley at break v c If anyone wants to uh, sort of sort of stay in touch and um, need help needs help uh, advising their business.
1: Oh, fabulous, and I'll put that on the show notes page too, so it's easy for listeners to grab that, but thank you for sharing that. Is the heyday of venture capital over, or is it still accessible? I think at least for many people, there's a perception that the time of free-flowing money is no longer. What, what's your take on that?
0: Yeah, so venture capital is actually entering, um, you know, a really exciting period. Um, so it's it's relatively easy to raise capital right now, um, as long as you have sort of a good business structure, um, sort of a good business model. Um, a lot of people think the advent of, you know, sort of equity crowdfunding, and by that I mean Kickstarter and Indiegogo, which are also great ways to raise funds, um, have sort of disrupted venture capital, but you know it, it's it, it's always there. Um, just one thing to note, you know, if, if you look at recessions uh, for the past uh, you know 60 years, we've had a recession on average um, every six or seven years since 1960. Um, that's interesting because we haven't had a recession in the U.S. since you know. Um, 0708. So we're sort of due for one. So I, I would just sort of advise uh, any entrepreneurs or founders listening um, to really, if you're not prepared to, you know, get ready to bootstrap your business, um, you know, in the next few years to, to sort of um, make it through the next recession, um, but also start thinking about raising venture capital now while the climate's relatively easy.
1: Mm, it's interesting to see to, to hear you say that it's easy, because I, I think many people don't think that, but it's a good perception. Um, you know, it's good to bring the idea to the table. What in you, in, 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 your book, you advise the readers to, um, come up to, to, approach the whole question of, I guess, getting funding by thinking as an investor. So what does that mean? And, and what specifically would you say to a business owner who's thinking about getting funding? How do you think like an investor?
0: yeah. Uh- and that's a really great question. So, you know, if we were to have a conversation uh, about raising money um, and I asked you a few questions like, what's your customer lifetime value? What's your customer acquisition cost? If you as an entrepreneur or founder weren't too familiar with these terms, um, I, it would then be difficult for me to take that information and your, and your business back to you know, the partners of my firm and um, sort of discuss your business at length, because those are key metrics that I would need to know. Um, and, 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 uh, and any VC firm would need to know in order to, um, seriously consider a company. So just to give a quick overview of what I'm talking about, customer lifetime value, right? It seems like this foreign term, let's break it down. I love seamless, you know, uh, that, that's where I sort of order food. I use it every week. So if seamless wanted to value me Bradley as a customer, uh, they could look at how many times I use the service every week, how much revenue they get per visit and the average lifespan of every customer. Uh, so this would be a way to value every customer or user of the product. And another term is customer acquisition costs. So, you know, speaking of sales and marketing, this is the, the the amount of money that you spend on acquiring a customer. So this is advertising, PR, salary of your sales team, if you have some employees. So everyone should know or be working to understand um, these two definitions. That's a, That's a really good way to quote-unquote, speak VC or or start thinking like an investor if you understand your customer acquisition cost and your customer lifetime value as well.
1: Is there a prescribed ratio between those two numbers?
0: There is, yeah. I'm I'm actually really glad you asked. So every founder should sort of be working to understand those key terms. And then that's a common question that that I would ask a business. So these two terms definitely play together. Uh, So one is the cost of acquiring a customer, again, and, and the other is the revenue a customer brings in over time. We can create a ratio there, and that ratio is customer lifetime value to customer acquisition cost. We sort of abbreviate it as a CLV to CAC ratio or CLV to CAC ratio. And that just says, right, for every dollar we spend on acquiring a customer, the company receives X in revenue. So after speaking with a ton of VCs and entrepreneurs, the golden ratio here is about three to one. So just, just to break that down, for every dollar a business spends on acquiring a customer, the business should get about three dollars in revenue, so any lower um, and this sort they should uh, maybe decrease spending on sales and marketing to try or try and find another way to adjust and any higher and they're probably in that high growth period and they'll stable out to around a three to one ratio in the future
1: and that ratio doesn't take into account cost of goods sold or anything
0: like that um, yeah so so yeah so, so so that ratio would would the the, the CAC ratio the customer acquisition cost uh, generally takes in. Um, sales and marketing spend. So, so a little bit below cost of goods sold on that income statement.
1: I see. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That's really helpful. And, and a good number to keep in mind. Where, where do you place the value of enthusiasm on this scale? Do you, is there a, a way to quantify that? Or is it important to investors when somebody is just so passionate about their idea or their company that you know they're going to work very very hard to make it succeed or does that really not come into play as it just the numbers
0: well you touched on a really important you know concept enthusiasm and grit is extremely important to an entrepreneur young or old uh, when sort of VCS evaluate a business so you know we talked a bit about the numbers but obviously if you don't have a, a strong passion if, if we can't see that you're going to make it through those dark days where it, you know, it's, it's, it's 3am and you just lost half of your clients or customers. Um, if we don't think you're, you're someone that could sort of make it through that, um, you know, and, and you show signals, uh, you know, sort of showing that, that type of behavior, um, it would be hard to move forward. So enthusiasm and grit is, is, you know, really key ingredient of, of becoming a great entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I love that you use the word grit. It's one of my favorite words. What is there a measure for that, or do you just get a sense of a person's grit and determination from talking to them?
0: Yeah, I wish I could evaluate grit. <laughs> I wish there was some, uh, some some formula I could use, but you know, it really just comes down to talking to yourself, the team. One thing we'll do is uh, customer calls, right? So if you have a, a fitness startup and you know um, you work with a ton of uh, people that are trying to get in shape, we, we may sort of call those people and you know see how the service is doing. Um, so, so there are sort of ways to evaluate your business and enthusiasm a little bit, but overall there's no formula, but we we may just sort of talk with yourself or or, or customers of your business as well.
1: So it's always a gamble whenever you're investing in anything, you're always taking a chance on, there's no guarantee.
0: Yeah. You know, I I just started this, but, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really hard to determine if you're a good investor. It typically takes anywhere from five to seven years, right? As as soon as you realize your company is a dud or, or is is going public, you know, that, um, there's a really thin line, um, between those two, um, those two extreme outcomes.
1: Right. Now that makes sense that it would take some time for that to come to light. Where do you, when, when startups or small companies are looking for funding, where do you think they most commonly go wrong? What are the common pitfalls?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the common pitfalls, and and I talk about this a lot in the book is just not being able to sort of speak VC. Um, so really just understanding those key terms. Um, so, you know, if I were to ask you your customer lifetime value or customer acquisition cost, a lot of businesses may not know, and we're, we're not necessarily asking those to grill you. We want you to know them, but you know, if you do know those terms, it's, it's much easier for us to sort of go back to the rest of the team and say, Hey, you know, the customer lifetime value here is around $3,000 cost about $100 to acquire a customer, um, or sorry, $1,000, right? They have that three-to-one ratio. You know, it, w- it would sort of make sense, and it's easier for everyone to sort of grasp, uh, grasp the business moving forward. Um, so, so really, I'd say um, being able to sort of understand those terms and think like an investor is really key to, um, you know, getting venture capital.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I was once, I did this course called Goldman Sachs 10 KSB, and one of my favorite exercises was one in which we, the people in the class, the the entrepreneurs, had to sit in the seat of the banker and evaluate people coming to us asking for loans. Of course, it was all role-playing. But it was very interesting being in that position and having to, you know, look at things from that perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, really just – and that's that's another reason why I wrote the book because a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, aren't also venture capitalists, but, you know, their goal is to raise money. So if you just, you know, flip the script and put yourself in the shoes of an investor, um, you'll find that that path to, to uh, you know, fundraising and that path to getting capital is actually a lot easier.
1: And I agree with that. When I was in this class that I just mentioned, the Goldman Sachs class, one of the big revelations I had besides sitting in the seat of the banker was realizing that amongst my fellow entrepreneurs all of whom I think have been in business for many years there was quite a variation in in financial literacy among us and it's a topic that even with people who have been in business for a while it can be really intimidating and Scary, and some people just don't even want to deal with it. Although it, you know, we all know it's important. But what's a good way, do you think, to get over this point of being really uncomfortable with the subject of money, or how how to get educated in a good way on money? Do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. So first, uh, the first thing I would say is you know, know your way around the balance sheet, right? So. Every entrepreneur should know what an income statement is, what the top line of the income statement is, revenue, um, how to work your way to the bottom line of the income statement, um, you know, um, net profit. So just, just a quick overview here. You start with revenue and then the cost of the, the direct cost of producing that revenue or, or the direct cost of producing that good or service. There's a cost of goods sold, as Ellen mentioned earlier, and then revenue minus the cost of goods sold gives you gross profit. Um, and then that ratio, gross profit over um, revenue, is called gross margins. Then from gross profit, you subtract your operating expenses. So these are your sales and marketing spend, general and administrative costs, like keeping the lights on. And after you subtract operating expenses, you arrive at um, EBITDA, uh, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. After that, uh, subtract any Depreciation or amortization costs, uh, so uh, in any interest or taxes, and then you arrive at net profit, uh, the bottom of the income statement.
1: Wow, you might have to give me some kind of document I could put on the show notes page to illustrate all sure. of that. that of would course. be that would be great. Um, what is your so what's your long term goal? You've written this book, you've gone on this tour. you're going to be starting work in this field or continuing your work in this field, what is your long-term goal beyond, you know, the usual success, you know, beyond making money and, and things like that? What sure. what do you really aspire to do?
0: Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm a young guy. I was lucky enough to be able to get into this industry. Um, and really writing this book, writing break into VC, I'm really seeing how important the democratization of information is, especially when it comes to raising money or speaking like a venture capitalist or thinking like an investor. Um, so after writing Break into VC, I'm realizing the, you know just the importance of accessibility and being available for entrepreneurs. And I've spoken with over 50 readers of Break into VC. My email is freely out there, uh, Bradley at Break into and, and I just sort of really want to be one of the most accessible uh, investors in, in new businesses. Um, so I really just want to Keep my, uh, uh, you know, keep my, um, you know, ears to the ground and, and figure out what's going on in, in all the spaces, and um, really just have access to all, all of the uh, great entrepreneurs coming out. Yeah,
1: that sounds exciting. What, what on this tour? You just went to many colleges and spoke to all these students. What surprised you about that experience?
0: Yeah, so you know, I got the chance to speak at Harvard and Berkeley and Stanford and. Wharton and and all these schools. And, um, really just, um, honestly, what struck me the most was the fact that a lot of this isn't taught at schools. Um, a a lot of the, a lot of what you'd learn in terms of how to evaluate a business necessarily, you know, taught, um, in lectures. So a lot of the information I was providing was, was completely new. Um, and that's resonated, um, you know, with the general audience of the book. If you check the Amazon page, right, a lot of of students have really, you know, learned a ton from the book as well as working professionals and entrepreneurs as well. Um, So just the fact that a lot of this information wasn't necessarily taught in schools was a surprise for me, but also just speaking with a ton of students and realizing how tenacious they are and and, and really just ready to start um, either building businesses or um, thinking like investors or or working towards a career in venture capital.
1: Mm, It's great you were able to help provide some resources for all of those things. It's so important and not, you know, not everybody wants to follow your path obviously and get into venture capital, but I think everybody has a dream, you know, even if they don't know what it is yet, but do you have any advice for a young person who's thinking about starting a business or, you know, considering their next step in the course of life? You know, do I pursue my dream? Do I get a job? What do I do next? Like what are your? Do you have any words of wisdom on that?
0: Yeah, starting a business is a really life-changing event. It's, it's a material event in, in your life, and it causes you to think differently very, very quickly. Um, you'll emerge from starting a business very different. You'll think about the world differently. You'll think about people differently, relationships. Overall, it's such a huge value-add in life to start a business. Um, there are three books I'd probably recommend if you're starting a business. Um the first one is very popular among entrepreneurs it's called the lean startup basically just teaches you if you have an idea um you know focus in on one core element right and that core element will be called an MVP or minimum viable product so google's MVP was search right they did one thing really really well that was search amazon's was books they sold books really really well now they're able to now both companies are able to do all these things at scale um so Creating an MVP is great. Um, the, the next book is called the experience economy and that splits up every business into four different sectors. You you either sell a good, you sell a service, you sell an experience, or you sell a transformation. I think the most profitable area is this area of transformation, being a life coach, some would even argue religion, you know, is is sort of, sort of this, this transformation. Um, you know, but but selling an experience, that's sort of where you want to be, right? You don't just want to sell a good or service. You want to sell an entire experience that, that lives with someone long after that financial transaction happens. So the book is called The Experience Economy, and, and it teaches you how and why to sell, sell an experience. And then the last one is called Blue Ocean Strategy. And Blue Ocean Strategy basically says, if you're entering a business, try and create an entirely new market, right? So let's talk about wine for a second. You know, imagine that you know, at the low end of the spectrum, there's really, really cheap wine for $1.99 or $2.99. And then there's extremely expensive wine, right? You know, this really expensive Malbec or, or Pinot Grigio. And then in the middle, you know, it, it, so if there's only cheap wine and there's only really expensive wine, you know, make Yellowtail. Make a wine that's $12.99, $11.99 um, and start taking over that whole market. So... um, you know, Blue Ocean Strategy talks about the importance of uh, creating a new market and walks through some of those case st- case studies, like Yellowtail and, and other businesses as well.
1: Oh, thank you for that. I'll I'll put those links also on the show notes page. You, you've got so much good information. Thank you. And I want to ask you when you were on that tour, which sounds exhausting but fun. Did a lot of people come up to you and pitch you ideas? Did you hear anything that you were like, oh, yeah, I want to invest in that? Or, um, you know, anything that really excited you? What, what was your experience like so far?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, it, it was more about connecting with the students, right? So I, I did hear a ton of business ideas. I did get a chance to talk to young companies. It actually encouraged me to start another project, which is very, very new. I'm currently working on it. It's a show similar to this called Ask a VC, where entrepreneurs call in and I give them advice. And that sort of spurred because a lot of people read the book and would then pitch me ideas. And it sort of spurred the idea of routing information directly towards entrepreneurs in the form of another project. But um, in in general, you know, um, I did hear a a lot of good advice, uh, you know, a lot of good pitches from businesses. But um, really, really, the point of the tour was sort of just to to meet a ton of students and a ton of readers from the book, and uh, it was, you know, in retrospect, it was incredible. It actually just ended.
1: Mm, it must have been really, really interesting. You know, not only were you traveling across the whole country, but at um, at some of our finest institutions. So that's that's really cool. You had that experience. So not to put you on the spot, but I I kind of do want to put you on the spot, and sure. um, there are. People, I'm sure you've heard it said that are very disparaging about the generation that's coming forward. Uh And um, personally, I don't agree with them, but I just want to put it out there because we've all heard the, you know, we've all heard these, these kids are in their social media, they can't talk to each other, they're lazy, they're self-centered, you know, all of that stuff. But um, I'm curious, what is your take? Do you have hope for the future after going to all these colleges and talking to these kids? Like, what's your sense of uh, what's coming out of those institutions?
0: So I would agree and disagree. And and I would explain it like this, Um, you know, a lot of a lot of this generation, they are wrapped up inside of their phones. Um, But you know, so are other generations. This is the way the world is sort of, you know, condensing towards a digital generation and um as businesses grow they're going to be built around our phones right so if you just started a, a car service if you just started a you know like like a used car shop and you wanted to get people to your business one of the best ways to do that is to contact someone on Instagram with 50,000 followers and you know pay them a few hundred dollars you may be surprised how much they actually charge but if you can get them to show up at your business you better believe you know they'll be um you know, 15 to 20 to 30 people around your, your sort of, your sort of car shop. Um, so, you know, the younger generation is starting to really, um, as they start to build businesses, we're going to see a lot of new models pop up. Um, and you'd be surprised that they're very much dialed into technology. They're very much dialed into their phones, but this is the way the world's going to work in the future. And I see that they're going to create amazing businesses in the next 10 to 20 years.
1: Yeah, they seem good at innovating. I've heard some great ideas coming out of our local colleges when I've gone to events and things. Do you think these kids have grit too? Do they have that part of what it takes to be successful?
0: They're learning. You know, a, a, a lot of a, a lot of young folks want um, they want it all, all sort of right now. And the key thing I learned, I guess, on my tour is that um, you know patience necessarily isn't isn't a big uh, big factor. Um, for them right now, that they still sort of need to work on patience and, and growing in that realm. But all in all, they're they're very very hardworking people. I would say they have grit, but I would say at this point they lack patience. But I think that's something you you could acquire in a few years once entering the real world.
1: Yeah, that's a good observation. And and to be honest, I think even though I'm the generation above you, I uh, am not the most patient person either. So I, I don't know if it's a generational <laughs> thing or just a personal thing. But uh, certainly an attribute that uh, would be good to develop more in myself, uh, speaking for me. What, what do you think, you know, you're, you're a young guy, but what do you think is really, from what you've experienced so far, uh, what do you think is really the key to success and happiness in life? Like, what, what would make you say, yes, I've made it, I'm successful, I'm, you know, this is it. Like, what are the elements?
0: so it sounds really cheesy ellen but it's really just about following your passion right so like if i could just rewind to when i was a sophomore at college right i I had just received an offer a six-figure offer to work on wall street right not bad right Mm -hmm. that's a lot that's an offer a lot of folks would take right so if i did that and i and i gave up on my dream of getting into venture capital um i wouldn't have written a book about getting into venture capital and i wouldn't have set up a 13 city tour and ha- could say i've spoken at harvard and stanford and all these schools that's that's uh, you know that was a big dream of mine so just because i did this one thing just because i really followed my dream a whole string of opportunities came out of that right having a best selling book speaking in all these schools um you know i've moderated a few panels you know um getting on podcasts like like this one and and you know it's all sort of a dream So I would say just in general, you know, for anyone listening, really just follow your dream because what you don't realize is that journey is going to create so many other other opportunities for you. I'm just starting my path and I'm so elated uh, that I really found something I'm passionate about. You know, I actually need to start thinking about new dreams because, you know, one of my dream was basically to get into venture capital and now I'm thinking, hey, does it make sense to, you know, I don't know, start a firm or become a partner, um, you know, at a firm. So there's a there's so many other things that happen once you sort of pursue your dream. I, I would advise everyone to really follow their dream and hold on to it tightly, uh, because a lot of folks around you and these could be friends, family, um, you know, may may try and disrupt that. But if you hold on to it, I promise there's a really amazing road ahead.
1: Mm, thank you. That's very eloquently put. And for you in in your path and in following your dream do you utilize mentors or do you you have some kind of mastermind group or something, or are you just figuring it out yourself? What's your strategy? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Alan, that's a really good question. Um, So I'm a guy that has like three or four close friends. Um, So I have, I have a lot of colleagues, but there's a core group of maybe three or four folks that I'm probably going to be friends with for the next 10 years. And um, you know, we, we all sort of bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and, and that's sort of my group, um, in general, I don't have, I wouldn't say like this person or this person is my mentor. Um, but, but I, I, I do have a lot of folks sort of in the periphery that, that I'll bounce one or two ideas off of. I actually, yeah, I, I actually am looking for a mentor. I, I think that'd be sort of great to have. But, um, for right now, I just sort of move with a small cohort of people and, and we bounce ideas off of, I would, I'd highly recommend that if there are two or three people that have similar goals to you, uh, stick with them. Um, and try and move forward um, bit by bit with them, and you could sort of grow together and and um, you know accelerate all of your paths simultaneously if you all continue to move forward.
1: yeah, that little that kind of power group makes a lot of sense. But I've seen other people that are around naysayers. you know, they're around negative people who yeah. kind of squash their dream and they're continually fighting against that. And, um, I mean, have you, do you see that ever or what's your advice to somebody that has people like that in their life?
0: Yeah. So if you're around a bunch of people that are just naysayers, it really just comes down to having that one-on-one conversation with them. Like, look, well, I really want to pursue X in my life or, you know, I really want to be a dancer. I really want to start my own business. Um, you know, I, 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 I see that, you know, you're kind of someone who isn't allowing me to do that and just have the conversation with them, right? You know, I need you to stop or I need to cut you out of my life. And it's so important, right? If there were a lot of folks when I was just starting to get into venture capital said I needed to like, you know, work on Wall Street or go to this fancy business school, um, you know, and, and these were colleagues that were around, but, you know, I kind of ignored them and just kept on moving and, you know, ended up with a book, ended up getting into venture capital. So, Really, it's just cutting cutting those folks out is, is truly important. Um, and it gets really hard, right? If that person is your mother or your father mm-hmm. or your sister, uh, it's very hard to have those conversations, but it's crucial. Um, that's another amazing book, uh, Crucial Conversations. Uh, this is a book that actually teaches you how to have those talks. And, and that's a book that's really affected me.
1: Thank you for that book. And um, you know, thank you for saying that a lot of times it's people that actually care a lot about us. That want to stop us from getting hurt or want to have us take the safe path or, you know, it's not that they don't want you to do well, but they can hinder your progress towards that dream. And, and so like, you know, what you described, having the conversations or putting up boundaries is really important because the story, you know, otherwise they kind of seep into the story you're telling yourself of, oh, I can't do that. You you know, their, their story becomes your story if you're not careful.
0: Yeah, of course, there is that sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, if if you continue to hang around those folks, um, it sort of puts you on this downward trajectory, which which uh, ideally is, you know, you want to get off of as soon as possible.
1: Yeah. And, And to achieve what you've done, you must have a strong story of I can do this. I am doing this. You know, there must be some really positive affirmations you're telling yourself all the time to achieve what you've done at such a young age.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I started, I gotta be honest. Yeah. I started meditating and, um, you know, I have this practice where I'll take, you know, uh, 10 or so really deep breaths in the morning. And then I'll, uh, I'll say a few, I'll, uh, I'll think a little bit about what I'm grateful for. I'll maybe write down three or four things I'm grateful for. And then every day I try to write down 10 ideas. Now I have this, I use Evernote a lot. Now I have this huge Evernote file of, you know, hundreds of ideas, whether it's, you know, a new idea for posting on Instagram or, um, you know, a, a new idea to sort of just tweak this for um, you know a book launch. Um, so I came up with these hundreds of ideas just by doing this small exercise for ten or fifteen minutes every morning, um, and 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 I've been doing that for about three or four months, and that's been extremely useful.
1: That's great. That's a really great tip. Well, what else do you have for us, Bradley? What el- what are um, your other tips for success. Are you, are you one of those people that only checks your email at certain times? Are you super structured around your schedule or, or what, what, how have you managed to achieve so much so quickly?
0: Yeah. So I, I really have to credit it to this one book. Um, it's by a guy named Cal Newport. He's in, he's a, uh, he's a PhD, uh, computer scientist, I believe at Georgetown. And the way people study computer science or molecules or anything like this, he studies what he calls, um, you know, growth hacking. Uh, so, so he'll he'll actually sit down and he'll, he'll try and research how to work better, work faster, work deeper, work more efficiently. And he's, he's put all these ideas into a book called deep work. And deep work was a book that I read at the beginning of 2016 and it really shaped my year. And deep work, uh, is all about, um, as you can guess, working deeply, uh, but but what that means is essentially turning off all social media, and you know organizing your day in a certain way where you you know everything you're going to do in the next day, uh, the previous day. So arrange that by the hour and get as granular as you can. So if you're a student and you have to study for a calculus test, don't just write study for calculus. Right. Right. Um. You know, studying chapter one, uh, this section. Right. So if you're a business owner, don't just write um, you know, business development hour, you know, right. You're speaking with this customer, you'll be emailing these 10 people. And the more granular you can get with anything you're doing, um, the day before you're almost holding yourself accountable. Right. So when that day arrives, um, it's very easy to get that work done. So a a lot of that work for me last year was, Hey, you know, you know, I would sort of sit down and say, Hey, you know, now I'm going to write, um, you know, chapter one or chapter two of this book and I'd I'd get really granular and I'd almost outline the chapter in my planner. Uh, so uh, that book really helped. And that tactic really helps no social media and plan your day the day before.
1: Great tips. Thank you. And you seem to read a lot. How are you reading a book now?
0: Um, (laughs) well, I gotta be honest right now I have my own book next to me and um, Uh I'm sort of rereading it. I never read it since I published it. Um, so, so that's been really fun. I don't think I'm reading anything right now, to be honest. I'm kind of t- taking a break. I just got off the tour, and um, I think I just wanted a week to myself, but I may get back to you once I think about it with some book recommendations.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, again, I didn't mean to throw that question at you, but um, you know, certainly, the more I talk to successful people, the more I realize that they're all big readers. You know they're always searching for knowledge and new and better ways to do things, new ideas. And you are no exception to that rule for sure um so thank you for those titles you shared and um and then what's what's next for you what's you've you've got the book graduated from college, did the book tour, taken your yeah, week yeah. off now, what are you gonna do?
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, pretty much just hanging out with my girlfriend um sorta of, sort of been away from her for a little bit but uh besides that, I think um. You know I'm trying out this new show. It's called Ask a VC and uh, it's really a call-in show with entrepreneurs. So you'd call me, we'd have a Skype call live and it you know live stream it on Instagram and we'd talk about your business. So I've had over fifty conversations with readers, and I thought, hey, instead of making this a one on one call, how about we do the same thing but you know live stream it so that's a pretty new concept and I'm developing and maybe thinking about turning that into a book, right? like maybe if I can sort of speak with enough entrepreneurs and get enough words of wisdom, um, I could turn this into another book that getting into venture capital is also about raising venture capital. Um, you know, so, so that's sort of been an exciting concept that I'm, that I'm working towards, but besides that, just relaxing for the, for the moment. Yeah, that
1: sounds, that, that sounds fantastic. And I look forward to that show and hopefully your next book and, uh, want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today, and be on the show. Um, Thank you, Bradley, and good luck with everything in the future.
0: Thanks so much. Yeah, and if anyone wants to reach out, feel free to email me.
1: Okay, great. Thank you. I'll put that link in the show notes page. Thanks to everyone for listening to today's show. I had the pleasure of speaking with Bradley Miles. He is the author of How to Break into Venture Capital. And you can find this complete interview, all Bradley's links, and those books he mentioned on our website, readysetgrit.com. Thanks again for joining us. And check in again next Friday when we release another episode with tips on how to turn your daydream into a phenomenal success.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com, where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our ebooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit. Inspired actions, real results.